0: Please take your Bibles again to the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. Proverbs, chapter 1. Gleanings from the book of Proverbs, that's, that's quite a declaration of purpose here. Because yeah, I, I know it takes a lifetime of absorbing what Proverbs has to offer. In a sense, what I'm doing is an advertisement, or if you're from Tomahawk, advertisement. A recommendation priming your pump, helping you to acquire a taste, if you haven't already, for this wonderful digest of knowledge and wisdom from the book of Proverbs. We um, go to Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to read the first 10 verses, and then we're going to skip down to verses 20 and 23. The Proverbs of Solomon the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb, and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, Consent thou not. And then we must move over to verse 20. Wisdom cries without. She utters her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city she utters her words, saying, How long, ye simple ones, will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Now, this is basically a menu of the kinds of things you're going to have in Proverbs chapter 1, which isn't a sample of what you're going to have in all of the book of, of the Proverbs. And, you know... Their popular phrase came up some years ago about the purpose-driven life and the purpose-driven church, and they had purpose-driven Bible study. And, you know, whatever we want to say about the books or the author, the title really says something, that everything should have purpose. Your life needs a state of reason, uh, uh, kind of like a mission statement. Why am I here? Why am I not there? What am I supposed to be doing? And it's what I'm doing in the way of what I should be doing. And, and, and a purpose-driven church means we get together and think as a, as a unit that way. Why are we a church? What are we doing here? Why aren't we there? What should we be doing? And maybe what should we stop doing so we can do more what God really wants? And Those are, those are good, healthy thoughts and questions. But then there's purpose-driven Bible study. Why is this book here? Why am I in front of it? What am I supposed to do with it? What does what's said there mean to me in here? Now, there's answers to those questions. Proverbs will help, especially this morning as we get a little directory. Um, you, you might say that the book of Proverbs has a mission statement. Right at the beginning, Its purpose is declared in the first chapter, and a strong sample is demonstrated. We have four areas of consideration in the first chapter. Number one, the continual voice of the Proverbs. Available to man. Always. Then there is the call to hear, learn, and get wise counsel. And then... There are the competing voices. They compete against the call of wisdom. They attempt to pull you to the right or to the left. They'll get you in the ditch. And then there's the call of wisdom to make the right choices. Every day is a day to make choices. Even if you made them yesterday, you better make sure you're making them today too. We are so forgetful. We, sometimes the things that we have gained from the Word of God, it's kind of like a greased pig contest, if you know what that is. And you grab it, and, it's, and, it, and it makes a big to-do, a big noise, a big splash, and all, next thing you know, it slipped right out again. Oh, I, I hate to compare God's Word to a greased pig contest. It's more about how we handle it. Because if we listen carefully to the call of wisdom, we'll find that he is willing to be found, to be received, to be taken in and applied, and and he is willing for intimacy. He's not really playing hard to get. It's the interference between the world, the flesh, and the devil that makes this the grease pig contest. Now, There's an old quote embedded in my mind. Um, It comes from the front cover of a a magazine called The Free Grace Broadcaster. Something that you can receive freely uh, by Chapel Library out of Pensacola, Florida. If you can't find it, I'll help you find it. Wonderful people have been publishing for decades. Good old-fashioned preaching and teaching and values The magazine, it's like a little booklet, uh, usually has articles all fitting a certain topic, and they give you the gleanings of of great thought, wisdom, powerful preaching from the voices of the past on very important subjects. Now, this quote is always on their front page. I can't remember who originally said it. One time in one of their articles, they, they mentioned it, but I couldn't recover that. But see... And listen here, as I tell you, to humble the pride of man, to exalt the grace of God in salvation, to promote real holiness in heart and life. Isn't that great? That's pretty thorough. And in some ways, I think the purpose statement that Free Grace Broadcaster has uh, could be well applied to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. And you may say, well, there isn't that much said about salvation in the Proverbs. Well, there's something. Grace is there. And just tell a preacher to preach on it. He'll find it. He'll pull it out. He'll organize it. But, But I think as you look at the entire thing and think about salvation as deliverance, Proverbs is a lot about sanctifying grace. Deliverance from evil temptations, deceptions, which boils down to sometimes actual real people in our lives. And so um, the need for the Lord, the need to be right with Him, and so forth. I, I think this is a good statement to make us think about why we should give careful, regular attention to the book of Proverbs. To humble the pride of man, to exalt the grace of God in salvation, to promote real holiness in heart and life. Now, we're going to look at the first four verses and consider the continual voice of Proverbs. When I say a continual voice, it's like always there. It's always available to man. You know, we, we get used to certain programs. Uh, some of you might be old Paul Harvey fans. And uh, there was something about his wisdom and wit that was made the news interesting And um, it's that kind of voice you just thought should always be there. You might look forward to it. Make sure you're tuned when he's on. And maybe you can think of somebody else. I'm having a hard time these days when it comes to news, wanting to hear anybody. But um, good voices are out there, folks. Christian Radio... Um, There's available to us in so many forms on the internet to get good material. If you, if you want to get fed more, uh, it's there. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll introduce you to Sermon Audio or some other great ministries, but a lot of them are represented at Sermon Audio. But the fact is, God led one man, well, mostly one one man, to write all these things And though his physical voice is gone, his hand is no longer writing. What God had him write is like a voice that speaks to every generation. And it always applies. It always can be applied to any culture, any economy, any level of technology and advanced things. It always works. It works today. It'll work tomorrow. It'll work. If Jesus doesn't come back soon, and uh, I'm not here because I died, it's still going to be working. These scriptures are provided, preserved, and promoted by the Spirit of God. They are a continual source for people to search and to feed their soul. So we ask the question, what will the Proverbs do for you? Let me read verses 1 through 4 again. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtlety to the simple. Some of you may have the word prudence. And to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Okay. Let's go over those. This is the part I told Susie this morning. I said, this is the part I always skip over. I want to get to all the other stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know what it says. Yada, yada, yada. And and, and that, that familiarity breeds contempt. It's that familiarity makes us calloused and slip over and pass over things that if we take them more seriously, they actually say quite a bit. So here's how the list goes. The, what will the Proverbs do for you? It'll cause you to know wisdom and instruction. Now, you've heard the phrase, ignorance is bliss. If I don't know, it won't hurt me. Say that while you're sleeping in the woods and a bear is coming. No, ignorance is not bliss. And, and ignorance, in, in the case of Scripture, is destructive. Hosea four six says, My people are destroyed for lack of of knowledge. And there's more to that verse, but that, that, that stood out in my mind here. People will be destroyed for lack of knowledge. You're sleeping in a house that's on fire. If somebody doesn't bang on the door and wake you up or throw a rock through the window, you're going to die. But when they do it, you might get mad until you understand. The person who's running up the road, waving their arms, telling you to stop because the bridge is washed out around the corner is saving your life and so we need to know wisdom and instruction and we must not let ourselves be ignorant especially when we are being given this continual voice of of instruction encouragement warning and so forth what will the proverbs do for you they will cause you to perceive to discern the words that give understanding Now, if you remember in a previous study, understanding is to know what to do with what you know. There's knowledge. There's wisdom that qualifies how knowledge should be used. Understanding means you got it and you're going to do something about it. And if you don't do something about what you've learned, then the knowledge is vain and actually will work against you. So the application of knowledge and wisdom... um, Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Different translations will take the word study and use a more modern expression. The translators were translating correctly because in their day, study could mean try real hard to do a good job, make it a priority. And that's what this Greek word means. So uh, newer translations will say, give all diligence to show yourself approved unto God. But, in case you're wondering about the study part, rightly dividing the word of truth, there you go. I need to know how to interpret the words of Scripture. People have put their minds and hearts to task in many generations, virtually every generation, to know what God's word says and what it means by what it says and what we should do about it. It's our task. And to somehow be able to do something about it, but also make the next generation understand and do something about it too. We've got something to pass on to someone. Not just our knowledge, not just our wisdom, but our example. When we demonstrated understanding and did what God's word said to do, or didn't do what God's word warned us not to do, and our testimony now vindicates God's wisdom, and we can tell others how we've been blessed by taking heed to the words of God's wisdom and knowledge. And then Proverbs 19:27 came to mind. I, I can't quote that one quite right, right, So let me turn to it here. Proverbs 19 verse 27: "Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge." You are accountable for who you allow to teach you. You're accountable to whose instructions or advice you take. There's a place in Israel's history where God told Israel, your parents weren't faithful to me and you shouldn't have listened to them. Now that doesn't sound right because we're told to honor our parents and so forth. Well, this is a case where it went wrong. Their parents left off serving the Lord and went off to idols and other things. And the children... Should have said, no, God's word says this, we will follow the Lord. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. (laughs) Discernment here. Discernment. To perceive and discern the words that give understanding, which also means to perceive and discern the words that do not give understanding, the false teachings that are out in the world. And the scary part is, A whole lot of false teachers can sound so good, so intelligent, so sincere, and so popular. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. Buy the truth and sell it not. Well, that's another one I'll maybe mention again. Or I already did. Okay, the third bullet point. What will the Proverbs do for you? They will cause you to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. Now, rather than define all those words, I think you get the basic idea. Where knowledge needs wisdom, and justice means I want to do what's right, and I want to stop that which is wrong. Equity means uh, a, 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 a correct balancing in my life that God's truths are regulating all of them and that I'm treating other people also righteously equity but here's the part to receive to receive it the heart must be receptive that means the heart must love this truth agree with this truth and bond with this truth this truth and the practices that are taught okay in james 1 and and i I think I can quote it, but I'm going to turn to it because I know translations handle it differently. And so I want to see it right in front of me here as I try to explain. Your Bible might not say just exactly what mine does. But James 1.21. Wherefore, lay apart or lay aside all filthiness and superfluity in my Bible, but that means an overabundance of naughtiness, and naughtiness just doesn't sound bad enough, does it? We say naughty, naughty to our little dog that just got into the garbage can, and we say naughty, naughty to our little child that grabbed a cookie when they shouldn't have, and we're half the time grinning when it happens. Not so much with the dog in the garbage can, but, the, you know, naughty has been a light-hearted word, but when it's used in the Bible, it's not. It's not. Um, The idea here is wickedness, evil. And and then it says next, to receive with meekness. And meekness is the attitude of a servant. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, my Bible says engrafted. The, The New King James will say engrafted. But a lot of the newer Bibles have implanted. Okay, so I like grafting because I had a friend who loved to graft Apple trees uh, for a hobby. And he'd take a, a main stalk of a tree and he would add branches from others. There's a way you cut and you slice and splice and you put this stuff on, and, and uh, the, the, the branch will merge with the tree and become like it belongs there and eventually bear fruit. He, he had apple trees that could bear four or five kinds of apples. And he got great pleasure out of it. And well, actually, I did when he let me eat them. But The idea of bonding and becoming as one is so clear to me there. Now, implanted, you know, you may think of planting a seed in the ground and it takes root and so forth. But in a sense, grafting is is implanting a branch, a branch foreign to the tree, and it becomes like a natural branch then. All this to say, your relationship with the Word of God, you need to bond with it. It becomes a part of you. It's not a, oh, yeah, I got to do that. It's, oh, I affirm. This is what God said here. I will remember. I will not forget. I will comply. I'll be a fool if I don't. And so the, the bonding, the heartfelt reception of these truths. Now, when it says, which is able to save your souls, this is not referring to gospel truth that shows you how to be justified from the penalty of your sins. That's the first phase of salvation. The next one is to be uh, delivered from the power of sin. It's deceptive power and sanctification is taking place. This is ongoing. It's the rest of your life. And and there's a, a third one of being delivered from the presence of sin when you're glorified. But James here is talking about the ongoing process of God's word delivering you, sanctifying you. You're becoming more like Jesus, and you like it. It's not, oh, i got to do it. It's, yes, this is, this is an opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity, and help me when I fail, and strengthen me. Just remind me, Lord, not to slip here. And, and we're, we're praying and doing in a, in a harmony with God's word. So, wherefore, lay aside all filthiness and overabundance of wickedness and evil, and, and overabundance, don't, don't get stumbling there because we're not to be just a little bit evil. It's not like it's okay. We do sometimes a little bit evil. But don't let yourself go free fall into sin saying, I'm saved by grace, I can do whatever I want. Because if you want, there's something wrong. Your wanter has got to get delivered. <laughs> That's a technical term. I hope you can understand. So lay aside all filthiness and overabundance of wickedness and evil and receive with meekness the attitude of a servant, the engrafted, implanted word, which is able to deliver your souls from the power and temptations of sin in this world. And your flesh uh, may have natural inclinings to these things, but God's word, the spirit of God, using God's word will deliver you. But make sure you're bonded. Make sure you become Heart, heartfelt in what God's word is saying, and and the book of Proverbs is very rich in this area. Sometimes people call James the the Proverbs of the New Testament. A lot of similar subjects. So, anyways, I think I've said much as I should say right now about that. But there's one more thing. What will the book of Proverbs do for you? What will these wonderful truths of knowledge and wisdom do for you? They'll cause you to gain prudence or subtlety. Now, if you're noticing, I changed a word here. It says to give. Well, they kind of changed the way they were writing. The first ones were me getting, me getting, me getting. And this one... It's, it's the words giving. So I just want to keep in the same form of thought. This is what I'll gain because this is what Proverbs will give to me. Prudence or subtlety. Now this Hebrew word describes having craft and skill in using or applying the words of righteousness. Ironically, the word is usually used to describe bad people being crafty and tricky. They have a certain skill. They're snakes, right? They're like a bunch of foxes or snakes or something like that. And this time, the word's being used towards being a good person. So I felt it was appropriate to bring up Matthew ten sixteen. In in in, in um. Oh, how can I do this? Um, in in understanding, no i got to turn to it. I've been quoting it all morning to myself, and I'm acting like an old man. You'd think I was 67 or something. Matthew chapter 10. Oh. And verse 16. Yes. Wise as serpents. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Be wise as serpents. Okay, snakes are considered the crafty bad guy thing, but you need that kind of wisdom to get along in this tricky, tricky world. But don't morally become like the serpent. No. In your morality, in your temperament, you need to be as harmless as a dove. Paul put it a different way to the Corinthians. And he said, in in malice, be as children, but in understanding, be men. So there's a sense in which if the motives are right, that skill that some people use for evil can be used for good. You need to be sharp. You need to be discerning. You need to be brave. If you're going to try to do the will of God in this dark world, you know, it'd be like a guy trying to start a fire uh, in the wintertime, <clears throat> and he gets under a tree, and he doesn't notice there's a whole bunch of snow on the, on the branches, and he gets under that tree to start that fire. He feels protected, but as the fire heats up, the snow melts, comes down, crashes on the fire and the back of the guy's neck. I think it was Jack L- London that brought up that idea. But some people have said it's like trying to build a fire in, in the rain. The environment's against you. You've got to find ways to beat it. And so this subtlety, this prudence. Now it says next in that portion of the Proverbs, verse 4, it says to give subtlety to the simple. And I checked and most people use the word simple and maybe you've heard the word simpleton. And it's, it's generally a derogatory thing when somebody isn't too, too sharp, too bright. But the, the Hebrew word here describes a person that is naive, gullible, without a sense of moral direction, and inclined to do evil. Okay, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of reproof will drive it far from him. And God is uh, treating us as his children. He, he, uh, he scourges us. Every child that he loves, he scourges, he corrects, he chastens. And so the Proverbs can have that effect like a good licking or a good firm warning. And then after you don't heed the warning, you get a good licking afterwards. Well, that, that kind of stuff's going on here. Because uh, whereas uh, the Proverbs are good for people of all ages... I think we need to be refreshed, refreshed, refreshed. We're we're leaky, and we need to be refilled. But there is an emphasis on exposing these words to young people. Now, we talked about it before, Proverbs 4, 1 through 7, as a sampling of Solomon explaining to his son that he was a son, and his father taught him these things, and he quotes his father And, of course, that's why we understand Solomon could so quickly ask the Lord for wisdom when he met him in the dream after becoming king and saying, what would you ask of me? And he asked the right thing. And that's because David had implanted that in his mind and heart a long time ago. And so there's something about this book that's very relational. It's about people who love other people talking to them, paying attention to them, reasoning with them, warning them, encouraging them, whether it be parents to their children, or wisdom is personified as that lady, that kinswoman, like a godly woman, a mother, grandma, aunt, sister, something like that. But everything about it is that the, these words come from a heart of love to help others. It's not a bunch of pulpiteering. And the time invested in this is like slowly rubbing in a good ointment. It pays long dividends. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says to seek your creator in the days of your youth. And I would dare say the Proverbs will help you in that area. Because just like the law, it'll point out enough things in you that aren't right that it'll make you want to run to Christ to get them right. But then Christ will say, get right back in the book of Proverbs. Now I'm with you. Now we're going to do what's in here. And so, love is the motive behind this. We're not judging. We're seeking to help. Rescue, perhaps. Or lay a foundation, like our one hymn said today. The firm foundation. His excellent word. Proverbs is the excellent word of God to lay a foundation in our life. And of course, as I've said, we need to be pointed to Christ so that we can actually do what Proverbs says. Well... We take verses 5 through 7 of Proverbs 1. And if you have paragraph markings, you know I've jumped over a paragraph marking. But these three verses really need to be seen together. It says, A wise man will hear, and will increase learning. And a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. We need to see a certain amount of success. As we agree with God, then it becomes a part of us, engrafted in us, and we will attain unto wise counsels to understand a proverb and the interpretation. What those verses 1 through 4 we're talking about, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. But doesn't that grab you, dark? Well, dark doesn't mean bad or evil. Most of the time, dark is contrasted to light. But here, dark is telling us that... It's not all apparent to to the eyes of our mind what this proverb means. That's why they were made short. That's why they have little repetitious couplets in them where they say one thing and then another and it all goes together. (coughs) You need to remember them so you can say them again and again to yourself. Say them to one another and talk about what they mean. Instead of ghost stories around the campfire... Share some Proverbs and talk about them. Bedtime stories might be some Proverbs once in a while. These dark sayings, they're, they're, sh- they're shady to us. They, they, there's more to it than what it just... I, can, I see the words, but... And this is where we lose some people. If it isn't just all laid out there, ta-da! They just move on. Or we see a simple statement, I got it, nailed it over, and we don't realize the depth that's underneath of all of that. So to increase, to hear, to increase learning, to attain. Because wise men want to understand the Proverbs, so as it's interpreted, those dark sayings come into the light of their mind and their heart. And maybe they can bring it to light for somebody else. Somebody else will say something, do something. You'll quote a proverb and go, well, what does that mean? How about that? Maybe you'll have an answer because God prepared you. Because we're doing that thing called rumination. Chewing the cud on these proverbs. They're meant to be taken slowly. When I had to work at a foundry and get up uh, super early in the morning... I was scared to death to have a a Bible reading time because it's almost like saying, Lord, don't bless me too much because I I would lose track of time and I might be late. Well, Proverbs was my answer. I'll just take a proverb, Lord, give me what you got and I'll get it here and I'll think about it all day and I'd load myself up. And it was a very helpful thing for that time of my life especially. And then comes verse seven, which is considered the, the, the key verse of the whole book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. How about our little chant? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Like I said before, that'll never hit the top 40 charts of Christian radio. But it'll stick. If I say brainwashing let's just say, mind-cleansing, heart-warming. If you'll just take to heart this main thing, you will learn the fear of the Lord, not just maxims and uh, sayings, not just little bits of wisdom that you can dazzle people with. You're learning about the Lord's mind and heart. You're learning what Jesus would do if he were here living your life. Which if you're a Christian, he is. But there's guidance here. There's application. And there's a type of success promise. And I don't mean you're going to get rich and wealthy and, and all that. But I mean, your life will be fruitful. If you acquire to these things, make this your priority. You will begin to know... The fear of the Lord, if you begin to know the knowledge of the Lord here. And it's only a fool that would despise that and turn from it. To search the Proverbs is to search for something that you can put to use. The wisdom this book provides will yield fruit in your life and for the rest of your life. There is no end to its ability to influence you for good. So don't ever stop consulting this great practical Uh, This digest of of great practical knowledge and wisdom because you'll be a fool. You'll be a fool if you do that. I had one person in my life tell me flat out after me talking to him out of the Proverbs here that I'm a fool because I don't want to know. He meant it. He wasn't trying to be mean even, but he just meant it. He didn't really want to know. I hope God's changed his mind since then or will change it. He was a young, young man when he said that to me. Well, like I said, it's an everyday thing. It's a choice to be made every day. Uh, God help us next time. We're going to talk about the competing voices. And maybe we'll discuss the call of wisdom to make the right choices. I don't know if I can put those both together or not. I never know exactly how this is going to turn out when I start. But let's pray. Father, thank you so much. For the truth as it is in Jesus. Because after we have seen the ideals and the principles of your word, whether it be in the law or in the book of Proverbs, Lord, we we realize we got to come to Christ to get the sin problem cared for. And then, when we have Christ and his salvation, he sends us back to the word and back, Lord, with the Holy Spirit to make fruitfulness out of our knowledge. Please give faith where it's needed today. If there's anyone here who has not first trusted in Christ for the salvation from the penalty of their sins, may they trust in him today and what he did on the cross and how he rose again and how he will live in the heart of those who call upon him. But secondly, Lord, that we develop and protect our love life with Scripture and that we will find you in between these pages, we'll find you. Reaching out to us to show us your mind and your heart on the things that are happening in our life and around us. Guiding our thoughts as well as our actions. I ask, Lord, that as we are more fruitful, that this will draw attention to you in the world, that people might see the benefits of your wisdom and knowledge and that it would create a hunger and a thirst that Jesus can provide for them too. So help us to be a good recommendation of your grace. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.